Hey, welcome. Welcome to Pillar Church. Uh, if you're new here, uh, we are excited that you uh, joined us. If you are online and uh, tuning in online for the very first time, we're glad you're here. Um, we'd love to know that you are here. Uh, so if you would fill out uh, that Connect card, if you're online in the description, you'll see it says Connect card. Click that, uh, click that link and uh, fill out that information. And so if you're here, uh, there's a Connect card in the two offering boxes back there. Fill that out and let us know you are here. So we're going to continue uh, in our discussion through 1 Peter, our study through 1 Peter. And so uh, if you've been here a while, you, you know that, you know, I'm not, I don't preach every Sunday, so I'm going to have to kind of uh, remind you of some things that we talked about uh, previously. But if you want to start turning there to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> and so, um, the, the title, uh, we titled this, and I, as I studied this more and more, I realized I, I, I used the title that everybody's using when they study 1 Peter. Um, and just uh, living as exiles. And so I think if I had to change it, I would probably just use another translation, living as strangers. Uh, that the, the concept of exiles is, is that you've been banished to another land. Um, and then, but there's, there's places when he uses exiles or, or strangers or foreigners uh, that I would, I would say, man, strangers would probably be a better translation here. And so I love the, I, I love the idea of, of strangers. They are basically, uh, metaphorically and literally, uh, in, uh, living as exiles or living as strangers in the land. Uh, we looked on early in this series, we, we, we looked at the fact that in Acts chapter 2, you see, you see the scattering of the Christians. You see them dispersing to uh, different places. Why? Because of persecution, because of suffering. And so you see them moving and forced to move to different places. Uh, whether it be for, uh, you know, these are Jewish Christians that, that are moving everywhere. But also the Gentiles, which is primarily who Peter is writing to, and he's, uh, they're, they're moving for different reasons. They're moving because of maybe family issues. They were once worshiping idol gods. And now they heard Peter or whoever preach, and now they're worshiping uh, Jesus Christ. They're worshiping the, uh, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And now they, they're, they're in a patriarchal system where, where, where the family is, is, is together when they worship. They do things together and they move together. And, they, and now all of a sudden they can't follow this authority system that they've been living by this whole time. Uh, and now they're kind of scattered, uh, may, maybe disowned. Maybe, maybe they're losing their inheritance. Maybe that's some of the suffering that he's talking about. Uh, they're losing their inheritance. They're losing maybe uh, their jobs. Well, what, the jobs that they were maybe once doing uh, contradicts with their newfound faith. And now they're, they're, they're walking into various, verse 7 in chapter 1 says, various trials, various types of persecutions and things like that. So it's not just physical. Uh, when when I, I remember studying uh, 1 Peter a long time ago, I had in my mind that uh, everybody who was suffering during that time 
was, was, this was physical persecution. Every bit of it was physical. And I, and I found that there was a disconnect from, from me, right, and, and what I was reading. But as I studied it, I realized that this, this is like normal stuff that we deal with, family issues, right? right? If you're a Christian in your home and you became a Christian later on in your life and things have changed, the relationship between you and that cousin or that auntie or that parent or whatever, it suddenly changed, right? And, and that Christianity is kind of a, is not a good thing. It's kind of a conflict in your relationship. So this is, this is very applicable to us. It, we can kind of connect with, 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 the, with the readers of, of this book now uh, as we look at it as various trials like this. And so um, how about before we even uh, go even deeper, let, let's pray and, and ask God to, to lead us. Holy Spirit, grant us profound insight into your word this morning. Challenge us, encourage us, convict us, lead us and guide us. Open our eyes that we would see you and know you more. Grant us a deeper understanding of the gospel so we can come yielding to you as a church to understand the gospel truth more and more. Not just to know it, but to know it, <laughs> know it passionately, where it changes our understanding, our decision making. It changes the way we think about life. It affects at our core in such a way that we love you more and love others more. God, give us this understanding of this abundant grace that the prophets and the angels we looked at last week uh, last time they were they were researching wanting to know more of this this salvation and the culmination of Christ coming God would we be captured by this this, this gospel truth also today will we not just leave here with more knowledge of first Peter but um, but captured by the gospel truth that as for us, that you love us, that you have called us to yourself. What an amazing truth that, that I don't want to get in the way of, God, as a preacher, as, as, a, uh, as a communicator of the gospel. I do not want to get away uh, of that by, by trying to be perfect in, in, in everything I'm, I'm saying up here. I want to meet you in your word this morning. I want the people here to meet you and to be, you, are, you're, you would be revealed to them and God be captured by this amazing salvation that Peter speaks of, God. We, we welcome you. We thank you. We ask for this, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I, I think I've already given my review, but, but basically we're, we're looking at a church uh, that, that needs some encouragement, needs some guidance. And so that's why the, the, the theme of, of this whole uh, book is, is living as exiles. And so I, I talked about physically they're living as exiles, but, you know, uh, Peter wants them to connect this as exiles spiritually because that's our reality as a, as a believer, as a person who believes in Jesus Christ. Our home is heaven. Our home is heaven. And so we are exiles. We are strangers in this land. And so it's in his encouragement 
throughout this book is, is, hey, look to your home. Understand that, that there is an inheritance for you. Think about it. These people have lost their, maybe some of these Gentiles have lost their inheritance. They lost it. Because why? Because they're not following the, the, the gods of their family. And so they're, they're, maybe the, the patriarch has kicked them out and pushed them out of the family structure, and now they lost their inheritance. And, and, and Peter says, super encouraging for them to hear that they have an inheritance in heaven. Uh, that they, they have an inheritance in heaven. What a beautiful thing. It says, um, this inheritance where it says, uh, verse 4, it says, And into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. And not only that, it is kept for you, it's being guarded by God's power. And not only that, the salvation that you receive, the, the salvation, the, this, this, this revelation that Christ is God, this, this revelation that you can put your hope and trust in Jesus for your, as your savior, Lord and Savior, that's being kept for you or guarded in, 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 verse, uh, in verse 7 it says. It's being guarded for you. In verse 5, I'm sorry, you're being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And then last week, we, we, in verse, uh, we did verse 10 through 12, and I just, I, I think my goal in, in a couple weeks ago when I, when I was preaching 10 through 12 is, is these prophets were writing, right? They were writing about the coming of Christ, and they were, seemed more excited than I am about this own salvation, that salvation that I receive. And this is a salvation that they wouldn't physically, they wouldn't get a chance to see but they seem to be more intense about the, the amazement of, of, of this grace and this gospel than me. And I was just trying to say, guys, maybe we're missing something if we're not as excited as them. And I was like, they, they took time to research their own writings. How many times do we take time to research our own salvation? looking deeper into this truth that God has saved a particular people, saved us and called us to himself. And, and I, I believe this theme continues, but, but he also says that not only the prophets were, were looked intently to this, this coming of Christ and the suffering, but he also said the angels long, and that's verse 12, the end of long, uh, verse 12, it says, angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. Just take a peek because they were so amazed at this amazing truth that Christ would come and Christ would, would bring all people together in Christ. And then now verse 13. We're going we're gonna to study, we're going to look at verses 13 through 16 today. So you want to turn there, uh, follow along. It says, therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. Verse 16, it says, for it is written, be holy 
because I am holy. Um, th there is a, there's anytime you see this, this therefore, he's always pointing back to, 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 to something before. He's always pointing back to because of this, then do this. And this is actually, I, I want to say this is his first therefore, meaning this is his first time that he's actually going to challenge us as believers or challenge them as believers to do something. He was just communicating their reality, first of all, right? You, you have been, uh, you, uh, you have a living hope in, in early, early part of this chapter. It says that um, this great mercy, you have been uh, born again, new birth. This concept of new birth that, that we, if we know the story of Nicodemus, that, that he had to get a grasp of, this new birth. Like, he's telling these Gentile believers that are suffering, um, this is who you are. You have a living hope. You have a living Savior, a living God that, that, is, that died for you but has risen, and one day you will rise with him. So he's, he's giving them a perspective in the midst of their sufferings, like, there's more. There's more for you. You have an inheritance in heaven. He's pointing them to heaven. But he also, uh, he also says that um, you are receiving the goal of your salvation right now. So he's pointing them back to their salvation, reminding them they've been born again, pointing them to the end times that's saying that your inheritance is stored up in heaven. And then also he, he, points to, um, he points to the present that we are receiving our inheritance. And then, then finally he, he, he points to in the end we will receive our inheritance and we will receive the revelation of Christ. Verse 13, therefore with our minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So I, I want to I skip that first part with your minds ready for action and, and sober-minded. And let's go, therefore, set your hope completely. Let's just go there. Set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This sounds really familiar to, to verse 7. Uh, about the revelation. So he's saying, he's saying, therefore, because he wants you to point back, he's pointing you back to the grace, this, this amazing gospel grace. He's saying that every, as a believer, in the midst of your suffering, don't set your hope on the, the persecution stopping, maybe your family letting you back in. Don't set your hope on that. Completely set your hope on the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's a word for us. That's, that's us as we live our day-to-day -day and, and are, 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 are disappointed, maybe in ourselves, disappointed in, in other people, disappointed on how they cre uh, treat Christians. He's saying to us also, he said, set your mind, set your heart, not partially, but completely. Some translation says fully. Fully on what? Be sober-minded completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It is this moment, it's this moment that in verse, 
uh, verse 8, it says, though you have not seen me, you, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible glorious joy uh, because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls, right? Uh, verse 7, that's what I was looking for. May result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. At the revelation of Jesus Christ will we'll, we'll be this moment well, we will be receiving the goal of our faith or we'll be receiving what, what is most satisfying and what we have actually lived for here on this earth. Yes, we've lived here on the earth, but heaven is our home. And so he's saying at the revelation, if, if, we, if we completely submit to this, this idea of, the, uh, of that he loves us and that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. If we set our hearts completely on that truth that he has called us to himself, that moment will, be, will supersede what we are facing today, what they are facing in, in this time, which is physical persecution, which is um, uh, you know, mental persecution, Loss of friends, loss of jobs, loss of money, those type of things. These are the things that he's saying that, man, let's set our hearts completely on the salvation that is to come. So now let's go back to with your minds ready for action. If you got a KJV, what does it say? It says, gird, gird up your loins, right? It, 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 it's, it's that idea that when it, me and my friends, when we were growing up, we would have jeans on, we would like pull our jeans up just a little bit, right? To get the extra slack out, right? The slack out of our jeans, that way we can run faster. He's saying gird up, he's saying ready for action. I, I, I'm ready, I'm ready to run this race now. So there is a, there's an intensity that he's saying that as we know this truth, this amazing gospel truth that he, that he came and he sent his son to, to die for us, that gospel truth, gird up, focus in on it. And it says also, not only gird up and be ready, take out the slack, he's saying be sober-minded. What? The, the opposite of sober is what? The clear-minded. Be, be clearly focusing on this gospel truth. Clearly looking at that. So, so that, the what or who we are is what he talked about, verses 1 through 12, uh, that, we, that we are uh, a, a people uh, belonging to him. Um, Armando read First uh, um, Peter 2, 9, that we are a peculiar people, we're a particular people. This is who we are. I know in the midst that we're suffering as, as others uh, in, on this earth, but we have a resident. We, have, we, we are a people that belong to God. And he has called us to himself. So verse 13, um, it says, if we are going to live in this way, we, we have to take action. And that is looking intently into this gospel truth with clear minds, intensely looking into this truth over and over, as, as Pastor Canaan even last week talked about, but like sitting into these, these gospel truths, these truths that, that we heard when we first believed, and allowing it to change us, allowing it to do work in our hearts. Verse 14, 
It says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. So this goes really closely with verse 13, I would say, because, because in this new mindset, we're completely sold out to, to this salvation, to the revelation of Christ. The next verse says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of, this, of your former ignorance. Guys, as believers, we still have this pull from the world. We still feel it, right? We still walk into situations and feel the, the, the need to, to be satisfied by other things other than his love for us, uh, and, and his presence in our life. And so he's saying, do not be conformed um, to, to those things. Do not be, um, do not, do not conform to the desires of your former ignorance. And we do this, we do this not being conformed as, as obedient children, we do this by looking intently into what he's done for us. This doesn't happen, our conduct as obedient children don't get better because of our, in, uh, our, our fixing it first, but it's us looking in what he's already fixed. It's looking to Jesus and what he's already done now we can, we can live as obedient children. Uh, it, it's frustrating to us because we just want to fix it, especially us that, that, that really want to make a plan. We want to check off the list that we read our Bible. Hey, we, 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 we did a service project this year. We did this this year. Those who, who, who are list people that, that want to check off everything we've done, and he's saying, no, I've called you I've called you to a new life where you are actually um, 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 embracing this gospel with me, not just on the knowledge uh, side, but all intensely being with me and being transformed. Rather than being conformed by your former ignorance, you are embracing this gospel and being transformed by it and living as believers as you should. Hebrews, I didn't, I, I, I wanted to just read this verse, but this is going back to, but this world not being uh, ours, uh, for Hebrews 10.34 says, For ye had compassion on me in my bonds, and took joyful, joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and enduring substance. So, so they were able to, to relinquish uh, their, their goods here on earth to suffer that. Why? Because of their knowledge of heaven, that knowing uh, where their home was. Uh, verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. Um, it, I, don't, I don't know how true this is, but I read it in one of those daily devotions or what do you call it? Daily bread, sorry. Daily bread, so it has to be true, right? So in, in this daily bread, it, 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 I'll never forget this. I think I was like 18 years old when I read, read that. And um, it, it was about how they were transporting uh, watermelons and how it was important for them to get as many watermelons in that truck as possible. So the guy had a neat idea. He thought, let's grow all the watermelons in a box. So it would take the form, as it grew, it, 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 it took the form of that box. And they would transport the watermelons more efficiently with stacking on top of each other. Now, 
I, I don't know if that's true, but it gave me that, 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 it gave me that idea of, of conforming. We don't want to conform with the idea that this is our home. We don't want to conform with the idea that this, this suffering leads to nothing. We don't want to conform to the idea that this is all there is. Or even conforming to the idea that, that I am, uh, um, that, that how people look at me and how people like me or they, they, they love me or like me um, is dependent, or I'm sorry, my joy is dependent on what people think of me. That's former ignorance. That's former way we used to live. How many likes on my Instagram? How many likes on my uh, thumbs up on my Facebook? Those are things, those are things of our former ignorance that we were, that we were sold out to, to being our comfort, our satisfaction, our joy in life. He's saying, do not conform, like that watermelon, into that box. Conform to the idea, to this truth, that God has saved you and called you into himself, to obedient life with him. And we look intently, we look intently into this gospel truth. Verse 15. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. God is holy. He alone is holy. In fact, the angels in heaven worship him saying, holy, holy, holy. Isaiah 6 is the Lord. God is set apart from all other gods. He alone is there in and none of that, nobody comes close to that reality, that God is holy. But he's called us to holiness also. He called us to have a single focus on God. There's a single focus uh, as believers that, that he's called us to, a holy focus, a one that is set apart from this world to reflect his glory. And that's why in verse 13 it says, completely set our hearts completely set our minds to that truth that, that Christ will be revealed in the last time. This is, not, this is not partial faith. This is a completely giving ourselves to the gospel truth. And he's saying, for the, uh, verse 15 says, but as the one who called you is holy, in fact, he's holy, 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 you also walk in holiness. How do we do this? How? We gird up our minds for action and we be sober-minded. We be clear-minded on our, on our lives to worship him and to know him and to know the gospel truth, this, this amazing gospel of grace. And like I said before, the gospel is not only cognitive. It is not a cognitive uh, knowledge only. It doesn't create holiness. That's not the part. Oh, sorry. That's not the part that creates holiness. Not a cognitive understanding of the gospel. Not just a, a mental, oh, okay, so he, he, he came, he died for my sins, and he rose from the dead. Oh, now I'm holy. No. <laughs> it is a sitting in that truth. And understanding that truth communicates your value to God. 
<laughs> it's sitting there until you are amazed at how many times this week, just this week for me, that gospel was, was so relevant to me. Like I was, I was so many times I, I was like, I, I am not deserving. I am not deserving. I mean, I know we've all said that. I said that several times this week. And I'm not sure if I've meant it completely, but I was, I was thinking to myself, I'm not deserving, but I know that you love me, but how? And it was those moments that I came to my senses, right? I came to my senses and I embraced that gospel, which is what Peter is asking them to do. Embrace who you are in the gospel, this, this grace. In those moments that I embraced it, he met me. <laughs> and I'm like, this is so amazing. How do you meet somebody who didn't even believe a moment ago? God's not waiting on us to crawl our way back to him. He's saying right now, in those seats that you're sitting in right now, embrace the truth that he loves you and he sent his son to die in your place to call you to this new life this new birth like that can happen right now this is not a build up to this type of we don't have to conduct ourselves a certain way for a certain amount of time and then this gospel is is good for us no it is the moment we come to our senses is the moment that we embrace the truth that he loves us and he cares for us and he cared for us so much that he sent his one and only, his most prized possession, his one and only son. So it's not just understanding the concepts of the gospel, but it's embracing it until our conduct has changed, embracing it until we live as obedient children embracing it until we are holy as he is holy. And, and I think the holiness that he's calling us to is the holiness of single-mindedness. That our goal, our heart, our main ambition in life is to be completely committed to him. To, 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 to know that our lives are completely surrendered to him. That is holiness. That is that holiness set apart, not set to those world standards, but set apart to live completely for him. Verse 16, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. What happens in the midst of our worship of God, in the midst of us recognizing God is holy and knowing that we have been called to holy? Let's I'm going to read, read in Isaiah. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling out to one another, holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. All the earth is full of his glory. So let's see what the response is. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke, representing his presence. Then I said, woe is me. 
So he, he, he's got caught up in the midst of, of, of God. He sees this revelation of God, right? Woe is me, he says, for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips, dwelling among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, and his hand was, in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken with tongues from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, now that this has touched your lips, your iniquity is removed and your sin is atoned for. Oh, what an amazing gospel. What an amazing gospel. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Guys, what happens when we are singly focused on this God who is holy, holy, holy? What happens when God reveals himself to us in this amazing gospel? He says, now you are cleansed. He, 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 at one point he says, I am a man of unclean lips. Now that he has touched your lips with these tongues, your iniquity is removed and your sin is atoned for. It changes the holiness as he looked to God, as he, as he had a singular focus on worshiping God and reflecting God in his life. This singular focus showed him who God was. And he went from a man that was unworthy to a man that says, I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> How do you go that? How do you do that in an instant? You come to your senses because of revelation of Christ. You come to your senses because he, he's not just shown you the words on the page of what the gospel is, but you have embraced the gospel truth for yourself. You know his love for you. You know his care. And that's what, first, uh, that's what Peter wants the people who are suffering, who are struggling to see and feel and know, is that in the midst of your suffering, look Look to the time when, when, all, when he will be revealed. He will be revealed. And in that moment, glory, honor, and revelation. I'm, I'm reading in verse 7 because I, 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 I see that moment that we should, we should be longing for, that should, we should be in the midst of our suffering, uh, uh, worshiping. anticipating that time when he will be revealed to us. Let's pray. God, I, I'm asking that, um, that this gospel, this gospel would not just be something that we can repeat back to each other, but it would be a gospel that we embrace. That, that it would be something that changes our conduct. <laughs> that we would suddenly live as, as obedient children because we know, like, like Peter says, therefore, because of the great mercy, because of this living hope. 
because of this, it would change the way we live, God. So God, I, I'm asking that we would embrace this as a church and as a, individually that we embrace this gospel truth. And we would walk in it, believing that you love us, knowing that you love us. And even those moments that, that we are drawn to the world, that we would be so quickly convicted to, to run back to you. And in those moments of running back to you, you meet us. What, a, what an amazing truth. <laughs> this is why the prophets and the angels wanted to catch a glimpse of this. Because in a moment of us recognizing and seeing you, you embrace us. You embrace us because of your son, Jesus. You embrace us because the work has been done. So God, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts through your word. Continue to walk with us. I pray this in Jesus' name.